This news cycle, man, this news cycle just keeps going faster and faster. I was about to report to you that Dr. Fauci has a new book coming up. This book was going to be called Expect the Unexpected, 10 Lessons on Truth, Service, and the Way Forward. This was going to be his version of the Cuomo COVID book that you released during the thing. So I was, I was going to report on it. I was going to give some thoughts. And then no sooner was that announced than the Dr. Fauci email leak comes out and now you can't even find the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any of the major booksellers. Before I had the chance to report on it, it got pulled. A, a lesson, I think, to these guys who got a lot of credit for leading in COVID and it turned out they were wrong about everything. A lesson, wait to write the book. Write the book a little bit later or it's not going to turn out very well for you. But there's actually even stranger science fiction than Dr. Fauci's. UFOs, racial health crises, and a Texas valedictorian's viral insistence that babies are not babies. Maybe the unborn babies are aliens, too. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Ross Studwell, who says, Michael, you should call your show the I Told You Show. But, um, tss. <laughs> It's a good idea. I mean, I think we're going to have to rename the show the I Told You Show because this week and last week, and I guess the week before that, we have been proven time and time again. And you know how much it pains me to say this, to have been totally right from the very beginning. And it has been proven that the experts and the geniuses were totally wrong. And they called us conspiracy theorists and lunatics and idiots. And it turns out we were right. And it turns out we're actually right about things even beyond the coronavirus. It's hard. So much winning. But the, the problem is it's not so much winning because, yeah, you're right about everything. And you're smarter than these lunatics. You know, you're getting these things more correct, but they've got all the political power. Well, when you want to defend yourself, one thing I would strongly recommend you check out Armored Republic. You know how important the Second Amendment is to the foundation of our country and how preparing yourself with body armor is increasingly important not just enough to go on the offense. You got to also have some defense too. Our friends at AR500 Armor have made buying body armor easy, approachable, and affordable. What if you are unsure of what type of armor you are needing or just need some pointers based on your needs? They have you covered. They have their Independence Day sale going on right now so you can have your order in before the 4th of July. These sales are up to 50% off select products, so get them while they last. They have rifle-rated bundles starting as low as $99. Very important to protect yourself. When you're going to protect yourself, you're going you're gonna to have a firearm and you're going to be able to, you know, Go on the offense against an intruder, say. You also want to protect yourself. That is the other side of this. Best of all, they have put together some packages specifically for listeners of The Daily Wire for everyone. Go check it out at AR500Armor.com. AR500Armor.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for 20% off. I hate to say I told you so. It pains me. It hurts me. But I will. Not just on COVID, obviously, we were all completely right about that, and the Fauci's of the world were completely wrong. But even on the UFOs, you remember, everybody was going absolutely UFO crazy. The aliens exist. I had many debates with Matt Walsh about this. <laughs> Matt, very pro-alien. I, somewhat anti-alien. And I said, whatever these UFOs are, I don't think that it's E.T. I don't think it's Martians. And people said, Michael, you're crazy. And I said, you know, I think very likely it's our own technology. 
If it's not our own technology, very likely it's the technology of a foreign government. Or there may be some other explanation. It might be something of an illusion or something like that. But I think the least likely possibility is that it's E.T. Well, we got the intelligence report out. We got the UFO report from the Pentagon. Now, again, you're going to have to take this somewhat with a grain of salt because we're beginning with the premise here that the government does not always tell you the truth. When I pointed out that this might just be our own technology, people responded to me and said, Michael, the federal government officials say it's not our own technology. And I said, right. And they would never lie to you, right? Uh, what have we been doing the past 18 months? They would, the, what, the past five years or so? The federal government would never lie about like Russian interference in the election or uh, Ukrainian corruption in the United States or uh, the coronavirus <laughs> or uh, maybe some other things having to do with 2020. They would never lie about that, right? No. But, but taking this with a grain of salt, here is what the intelligence report says. They, di- they first off deny that it's our stuff flying in the sky. But then they say that they have no evidence to believe this is aliens. I suspect if they did have evidence that it was aliens, they might try to leak that or continue to stoke that because it would be very sensationalist. It would keep the public enraptured. It would get people more supportive of spending money on Space Force or on defense spending. But they write, quote, uh, intention, intelligence officials believe at least some of the aerial phenomena could be experimental technology from a rival power, most likely Russia or China. Called it, totally called it. I said it from the beginning. The people who were first observing these phenomena said it wasn't Russia or China. The other genius observers about this says it wasn't Russia or China. I said, I bet it's Russia or China. Looks as though I'm right. In as much as we can trust the report, looks as though we were right here. Our senior official briefed on the intelligence said without hesitation, the U.S. officials knew it was not American technology. Maybe that, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's a fake out to Russia or China. But he said there is worry among intelligence officials that China or Russia could be experimenting with hypersonic technology. Why do we believe this? Well, there is actually a lot of evidence. Russia has been investing heavily in hypersonics, believing that that technology offers the ability to evade American missile defense technology. Obviously, it would. Is it just Russia? No, China also has developed hypersonic tech, uh, weaponry and included it in military parades. So it's not even like we need to rely on the report to know that China's building this. China has publicly displayed this kind of technology. The report concludes, if the phenomenon were Chinese or Russian aircraft, officials said it would suggest the two powers hypersonic research has far outpaced American military development. Well, of course that's the case because Russia and China are investing their money and focusing on winning wars. And the United States is making glossy cartoon commercials about soldiers who have lesbian mothers who spent their youth growing up at pride parades. So yeah, where you put your resources, that's where you're going to get the payoff. There's no woker military establishment right now and bureaucracy than that in the, of the United States. But in terms of this hypersonic technology, China and Russia may have a leg up. The things that they are doing, says the report, where they're spending money, you can't help but be concerned about China's ability to challenge us, as I said, in certain places. And then and, uh, uh, former officials go on. They say, I don't want to talk about this in detail because it poses a national security threat to acknowledge that. But there are places where China is frankly doing a better job. Right. That's a big problem. But one of the arguments in favor of this being aliens is they said, well, they're the aircraft are going faster than the speed of sound. Right. We know how to do that. That, yes, there are some aspects of these aircraft that we don't understand at all. That seems really quite far ahead of our technology. But the hypersonic thing, we do understand. United Airlines just bought a bunch of supersonic jets. The 
uh, Concorde flew for years and years and years, decades and decades ago. They actually stopped flying it, what, at the end of the 90s or the early 2000s? So yeah, we know how to do this stuff. And the, the idea that there would be some advances in that sort of technology over the past three decades is not really surprising. Uh, if it were aliens, it might actually make us feel better because if it is, as these reports suggest and as common sense suggests, uh, if it is the case that it's Russia and China messing around with new technology, that seems to put us in a far worse position. Even crazier than the belief in extraterrestrial life, to me, is the denial of terrestrial life. What I mean by that is, we are so eager to believe in little green men flying to us from Saturn, but we are so, at the same time, insistent on denying that babies are babies, right? We can't, think about how gullible we are. Think about how stupid we are. I'm not talking about, not talking about us, okay? I'm not talking about you and me, who were more correct than Dr. Fauci. I'm talking about the radicals who refuse to acknowledge that a baby is a baby. You know, if, if we went out to some distant star and found some distant planet, and there were a little rover that found one little microscopic sort of vaguely resembles life, this would be an earth-shattering event. We would be so shocked and amazed. But you can see a baby on an ultrasound in the womb, moving his little hands, and he's got all his little body parts, and we deny that that is a human, as a valedictorian girl in Texas just did, and she went viral for it. I hesitated to play this video because I feel bad for 18-year-olds who get too much attention because 18-year-olds are idiots, <laughs> just sort of by definition. They just don't know. Even if they, they're intelligent, they don't really know anything, especially these days where the educational system has been so rotted out. So I don't want to put a spotlight on this girl who is blabbing incoherently and, and begging for the right to murder her own child. Uh, however, it's already gone viral. I won't use her name, but take a listen to this ghastly speech. Starting in September, there will be a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, regardless of whether the pregnancy was a result of rape or incest. Six weeks. That's all women get. And so before they realize, most of them don't realize that they're pregnant by six weeks. So before they have a chance to decide if they are emotionally, physically, and financially stable enough to carry out a full-term pregnancy, before they have the chance to decide if they can take on the responsibility of bringing another human being into the world, that decision is made for them by a stranger. A decision that will affect the rest of their lives is made by a stranger. I am terrified that if my contraceptives fail, I am terrified that if I am raped, then my hopes and aspirations and dreams and efforts for my future will no longer matter. I hope that you can feel how gut-wrenching that is. Yes, we can all feel how gut-wrenching that is. Now, speaking of guts and gut-wrenching, think about applying that same logic to the little baby. Imagine if a, a life-changing decision were made for you by someone else. You mean like by an abortionist or by a child's mother who would kill him in the womb? Yeah, imagine that. That'd be pretty bad. People are, they're not prioritizing my life, right? What about someone else's life? Right. I don't, look, plenty of 18-year-olds have stupid ideas about the world. I had plenty of stupid ideas, including on this point. I think I was actually in favor of legal abortion when I was 18. I'm trying to think when I changed my mind. I was probably 
20 or something. I mean, I, you know, at this point, I, I probably would have said I was pro-abortion. So I, I feel for her, and it's too bad that she blew it this way. I mean, it's too bad that she made such a mess of things instead of just saying, thank you, it's an honor to be valedictorian, have a good life. Uh, people are saying the speech was courageous. It was not courageous. I mean, she lied about what speech she was going to give. Apparently, there had been some discussions about whether or not she was going to address this issue. And it, it's really sad for her because she has dedicated now her achievement to the, the alleged right of mothers to murder their children in the womb. That is not something that history is going to look kindly on. We talk about the right side of history sometimes, <laughs> you know, that's a left-wing line. Well, it, it, if there is such a right side of history, you know, certainly on the right side of justice, people, people are not going to look at this very kindly. Uh, it shows you, though, the, the level of indoctrination. I mean, I, this was even true when I was a teenager, just the way the culture, not even just the educational institutions, the culture, the, the Hollywood, the mainstream media, uh, certainly the educational apparatus, they all sort of brainwash you <laughs> with this idea that you can't possibly speak out against it. What is courageous about going out and saying something that will only receive one plaudits by the entire system? That's not speaking truth to power. That's speaking power to truth. But it might take that girl a little bit longer to realize that. With everything sort of crumbling all around us, it's probably a good idea to invest in something physical, something tangible, something with value, something like Acre Gold. Acre lets you subscribe to Gold Bars for as little as $30 a month. You pay each month. Once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they will discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. Acre has a new $100 a month subscription to a 5-gram gold bar. Acre ships your gold directly and discreetly to your door. But the big takeaway here is that you don't need to come out of pocket all at once to acquire meaningful gold over time, okay? I know that gold costs more than $30. They've got this great system where you can really start to invest I've always enjoyed investing in, in precious metals. It's also a good hedge when the economy and the political system is looking a little bit kooky. Visit getacregold.com slash Knowles right now. Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. To qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient. Mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. The valedictorian girl in Texas believes that her most cherished right is the fictional constitutional right to murder her baby. Women who have that alleged right forced upon them recognize that that is not the case. The AP, the Associated Press, recently spoke with the Uyghur exiles uh, from China. The Uyghurs are this ethnic minority and religious minority in China. They're not treated very well by the Chinese government. A lot of people are not treated well by the Chinese government. So one of the more ghastly uh, policies of the Chinese government is, is that of sterilization, forced sterilization, and forced abortion. So in particular, when there was the one-child policy, but also among populations that, that China is trying to kill off, like the Uyghurs, and even today, where, where Chinese citizens are allowed to have two to three babies, uh, if you have more than that, the, the authorities will come in, kick down your door, and kill your kid in your womb. So this is uh, from one of these Uyghur women. It said, I was six and a half months pregnant. The police came, one Uyghur and two Chinese. They put me and eight other pregnant women in cars and took us to the hospital. Uh, this is a woman who's now fled and she's living in Istanbul. They first gave me a pill and said to take it. So I did. I didn't know what it was. Half an hour later, they put a needle in my belly and sometime after that, I lost my child. This is heart-wrenching stuff. 
especially for anybody who's ever had a kid, you learn very quickly that the baby that you're holding in your hands is the same baby that was in the mother's belly. And when you have a child, when you're about to have a child, and, and you desire that child, and you don't have any desire to kill that child, you think of that child as a baby. We never talk about the royal fetus when Kate Middleton is pregnant, right? We always talk about the royal baby. Well, does the, the baby becomes a baby because he is desired by his parents? No, the baby either is a baby or he's not a baby. And the desire of his parents to keep him or kill him has nothing to do with that. It has absolutely no bearing on the question. This woman obviously wanted her baby and the baby was killed by these Chinese authorities. Look at the birth rate. Birth rates are important things to look at because we talk about ways to save the civilization, save our country. Well, if you stop having kids, then there's no, it doesn't matter how many brilliant uh, polemics or political philosophies you come up with. If there's not going to be any people, then you're not going to have a country. The birth rate across the Xinjiang region, which is the region where the Uyghurs are, fell by nearly half in the two years between 2017 and 2019. The mo- I guess that's three years, 2017, 2018, 2019. The most intense drops occurred in places where the Uyghurs and other minorities are located. Uh, Throughout the counties that are populated by a majority of these minorities, majority minority, uh, the birth rate dropped on average by 43.7% from 2017 to 2018. The birth rate in counties populated by 90% or more indigenous people dropped by 56.5% on average in the same year. If that is not a genocide, I don't know what is. But uh, very sad for the Uyghur people. Obviously, it's a horrific thing being done by the Chinese government. The reason I bring it up is that the mechanism there, the mechanism of that genocide is the exact same thing that leftists in America are claiming to be a sacred right. It's the, there is no difference in the act. What the CCP is doing to the Uyghurs and what this valedictorian in Texas is begging for and pleading for as her most cherished right, it's the exact same thing. The only difference is consent, right? The Uyghurs are not consenting to this, and the leftists in America, I guess, sort of are, even though their free will is obviously compromised by vice and madness. There are other things in the world beyond consent. Consent is important, but there's also good and evil, right and wrong true and false. If, if <laughs> you are braying about the, what's being done to the Uyghurs by the Chinese government and you're clamoring for your right to kill your child for abortion, something has gone wrong. You're not seeing the situation for what it is. Now, this issue in China is not just a question of abortion, human rights, or whatever the new term is to describe the universal aspect here. There's also a racial aspect, which is that the Chinese government, the Han Chinese, are attacking this other ethnic group in China, the Uyghurs. Obviously, racial issues are very often a dividing line in governments, and especially in the United States. That's sort of the main dividing line in America. It's the, it's the real weak spot that America's enemies over the years, notably the Soviet Union, but others, have, have tried to uh, hit upon because it, it creates tension in the country. So one big racial question that's up right now is whether or not uh, we will have reparations for slavery. You've heard this for the first time in a major presidential race. A huge number of the candidates are saying they support reparations for slavery. And even Joe Biden has supported a commission to talk about whether or not we should have reparations. So Don Lemon, 
go, ha, half of Tweedledee Tweedledum on CNN. Don Lemon brings up this question of reparations. And uh, Columbia professor John McHorder, who is a, a liberal, but he's a little more reasonable as far as liberals go, he goes on the show and he says, Don, whether or not you want reparations or not, we've already had them. I'm a little wary of the idea that we should think of that as a microcosm for what should happen for black America because, not because I'm against reparations, but because reparations for black America already happened starting in the late 60s. Affirmative action was reparations. People didn't use that word, but that's precisely what it was. The Community Reinvestment Act of 1977 that forced banks to invest in inner cities. Nobody makes a movie about that, but that was reparations. If affirmative action didn't help to turn black America upside down, then why do we fight red tooth, claw, and nail whenever anybody threatens it. It created a huge black middle class, and it created black success of all kinds that wouldn't have happened without it. I think affirmative action was a great thing, but I do think that it was a reparation. I love this argument. I love the angle he's taking here because he's saying, look, some kind of reparation is perhaps justified. And this was the opinion of basically everybody after the Civil War, right? They said 40 acres and a mule. That was going to be the promise because you can't just say to a huge number of people, okay, you've, you've got your freedom now, but you don't have any property and you don't really have many political rights and you've got people who are really opposed to you having political rights and okay, so it'll work out fine, right? No, it probably won't. Now, should we have reparations hundreds of years later? Uh, I think that argument's a little weaker, but to, to me, the cleverer argument is we've already had them. Of course, and of course we have. If affirmative action, if the racially focused welfare programs of the last 60 years in this country are not a reparation, then what the hell are they? What's the point of them? If they're not a reparation, get rid of them. If we're gonna if we're gonna do something else now, then we absolutely need to scrap all of those programs. If it's not a reparation, why do black students get preferential treatment when they apply to college? Why are, why are white students and Asian students put at a disadvantage? They have to score higher on the SAT. They have to get better grades. They have to do better than the black students to get into the same colleges. That's a reparation. Well, okay, if it's a reparation, then we've, we've already got it. But what this shows you, and this I think is the brilliance of McCorder's argument here. He hasn't even come to this conclusion explicitly, but I think it's, it's implied. The, one of the arguments against reparations is, what do you think is going to happen? We're going to, okay, $10 billion. There you go. That's the reparations. We're good now. It's all good. No more racial grievance. Of course not. It's never going to end. There's no end point to that. And the proof of this is we've already tried it and there was no end point to it. Now, the, the left tries to lump everything in with these problems. The left actually views m- many aspects of our society, notably the criminal justice system, as just an extension of slavery and Jim Crow. AOC made this point. AOC believes that that the prisons are basically sort of modern day slavery. And she thinks that it ought to be a very important goal of justice to reduce the prison population. If we want to reduce violent crime, if we want to reduce the number of people in our jails, the answer is to stop building more of them. The answer is to make sure that we actually build more hospitals. We pay organizers. We get people mental health care and overall health care, employment, etc. It's to support communities, not throw them away. So AOC uh, wants to reduce the total prison population. There is crime all over this country. 
the uh, cities are being burned down left and right. Do you believe that we need fewer people in prison or more people in prison? It seems to me we need more people. We talk about, we have mass incarceration, not mass enough. Crime's going through the roof. Well, no, Michael, it's a terrible system where people are going to jail for having dime bags of marijuana. First of all, that's not true. People are going to jail because they get plea deals from much more significant charges. But even beyond that, as long as you've got Antifa and BLM terrorizing the streets, as long as you've got crime spiking in the cities, why on earth would we want fewer people in prison? If you want less crime, you got to put more criminals in the clink. Now, this is just common sense. Here's another piece of common sense. Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is so much easier than walking into that store and having a clerk humiliate you because you don't know all the details of your car. Is your Honda, Michael, is your Honda the GT3C7? Or I guess if the clerk were talking to AOC, they would say, AOC, is your Tesla the super duper stocked up one or just the one that prevents you from fixing a boiler's roof? There are lots of questions that you could be asked and you're not going to have the answers. They're going to go in the back. They're not going to have the part. They're going to come and uh, order the part online and charge you twice as much. Don't, don't do that. RockAuto.com, family business, always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like the airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They get the same prices for pros like me and do-it-yourselfers like you. Head on over right now to that very easy-to-navigate catalog, RockAuto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck, and then write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. AOC, very focused on justice. We need to let the criminals out of prison, she says. This would be justice. AOC does not seem so interested in justice for her own family. So she tweeted out uh, just a couple days ago. She goes, just over a week ago, my abuela fell ill. I went to Puerto Rico to see her my first time in a year plus because of COVID. This is her home. Hurricane Maria relief hasn't arrived. Trump blocked money for Puerto Rico. People are forced to flee ancestral homes and developers are taking them. So most of this is not true. She says that uh, Hurricane Maria relief hasn't arrived. That's not true. We did send relief. Trump blocked money for Puerto Rico. No, he didn't. That's not true. What happened is they sent money and then the corrupt Puerto Rican officials took the money and stole it. But that's not even my big problem with this tweet. Here's my problem. I'm looking at Abuela's house. I don't know if it's an apartment or a house. There's roof problems. She's living in squalor. I would estimate that to fix that roof costs, well, I don't know, like $1,000 or something like that, right? Because it's a very small roof. But let's say it's more, let's say it's $10,000 to fix that roof. AOC is a wealthy woman. She's a famous wealthy politician. She drives a Tesla. She can't fix Abuela's roof. She, that's, that's very wicked. That's, a, that's an evil thing to let your Abuela. Why do we have to use the term Abuela, by the way? Does AOC not speak English? <laughs> the term is grandmother. I don't say, you know, I was visiting my nonna the other day. You know, I, yes, we went. We had a lovely Christmas dinner. I just uh, left my uncle's house and then uh, I drove over to Miami nonna's house. And no, we don't do that because we're Americans and we speak English here. So, She's going to let her, her abuela live in squalor. AOC drives a Tesla. I drive a Honda. I was thinking about buying a nicer car, but the nicer car I was going to buy would have been about $10,000 more than the Honda was. So I got 
$10,000 lying around because I didn't go buy the, I wasn't even going to buy a Tesla. I was just going to buy like a slightly fancier car. So I got, I got that 10 grand lying around. I would like to fix Abuela's roof. I know multiple other people here who would like to fix Abuela's roof. So AOC doesn't want to do it. Just please, someone send us Abuela's address so that we can fix it. But of course, AOC, she doesn't want to do that. She actually realized too, <laughs> and she got caught in this. She goes, oh no, Abuela's fine. I said, well, it doesn't look fine. looks like she's living in squalor. No, no, it's just, we just need, uh, Trump needs to do it. Trump, huh? That guy's not president. That guy's not going to be president again until August. <laughs> if recent reports are to be believed. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. So AOC laments this horrible situation for her Abuela. She uh, then laments being a first generation immigrant. She tweeted out, she said, I'm a first generation. How dare you speak to me this way? The problem with that statement is AOC is not a first generation immigrant. Actually, Jeremy pointed this out to me. AOC responded this way to Matt Walsh on Twitter. And then Jeremy pointed out to me, he said, AOC is not a first generation immigrant. Her father was born in America and her mother was born in an American territory. AOC has been an American citizen uh, without any question of her being a first generation immigrant. Words have meaning. If we are to have self-government, words need to have meaning. I write about this in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. The Connecticut legislature is testing the meaning of words. The Connecticut legislature has passed a bill that declares racism a public health crisis. Now the bill needs to be signed by the Democrat governor. Racism, a public health crisis. The, The bill writes, It is hereby declared the policy of the state of Connecticut to recognize that racism is a public health crisis. There is established a truth and reconciliation commission, like South Africa, to examine racial disparities in public health. The commission shall study institutional racism in the state's laws and regulations impacting public health. So if if you can, this is what's always been so dangerous about the public health tyranny of the last year and a half, more than any other government agency or government system, public health has basically limitless power because the people who run it are politicians that are by design unaccountable to the people, but they can claim that their preferred policies are backed up by science. So there's no arguing with it or debating it. And so now what they're going to try to do is, is call everything that they want a public health crisis. And then once they do that, there, there will be no one to stop them. Okay. I see the political utility in this. I see the political utility in trying to spin and trying to make words mean things that they don't mean. Every politician does that to some degree or another. If we cannot agree on the most basic meaning of words, we will not have a country. The self-government relies upon the idea that there is an objective reality. We have words that can describe that reality and we basically agree on what the reality is and what the words that refer to the reality mean. If we don't have that, we lose our government. Speaking of words losing their meaning, Princeton. Princeton University, considered one of the top universities in the country, is removing the Latin and Greek requirement from its classics major. So you can major in classics, classics, right, written in Latin and Greek, but you don't need to read Latin and Greek. It's pretty strange. How are you going to read the classics? Usually you have to read some books at least to get a degree. Well, this is being reported by Ben Zeisloft at Campus Reform, who also writes for the Daily Wire. The university has changed that classics requirement and added a track in race and identity. 
race and identity, which is just a silly ideological derivation of critical theory. And it's uh, basically just a really easy uh, track for stupid students to, to follow. When, when they added these critical theory sort of disciplines, and critical race theory is a derivation of that, it not only poisoned the American mind in the American university, but it, it, part of the reason it spread is because it's easy. You don't have to be very smart to get these kinds of majors. And so for students who were not doing very well, it just gave them an easy out so they could still graduate from, from university. Uh, what are we going to do about this sort of thing? What are we going to do? Are we just going to say, well, academic freedom? Well, Princeton, you know, it's a private institution sort of, and so they can do whatever they want. I don't think so. The Texas GOP showing exactly what we ought to do. The Dallas Mavericks, run by that guy, Mark Cuban, that anti-American guy, Mark Cuban, who sucks up to China all the time. Mark Cuban decided he's not going to play the Star Spangled Banner on the court before the game. Okay, that's his right, isn't it? He's a private organization. No. Texas GOP came out. They passed the Star Spangled Banner Act. Star Spangled Banner Protection Act, I think is what it's called. And it requires that the anthem be played before professional sports games in Texas, uh, lest the teams give up their funding from the state. I love that. I love that. But Michael, it's a regulation on business. It's not small government. Right. I don't like small government. I like limited government. I don't like small government. But it's a use of the political arm of the... Yes, that's good. I like it. When, when the people give us political power, I think we should use that political power. Use it justly, but we should use it. Yeah, I think that's good. But Michael, who cares? It's just the Star Spangled Banner. Well, it, who cares? The left cares a lot. Maybe the left cares because the left realized that culture, culture matters. Maybe actually the same conservatives who are arguing that we shouldn't use the government to do this, or the conservatives who say that politics is downstream of culture, and we got to focus on culture. Well, true, but politics influences culture as well. Texas GOP showing the way forward here. Great stuff. I love this, and I love that Mark Cuban is going to have to stand for the Star Spangled Banner. He'll at least have to play the Star Spangled Banner. Cry more, Mark. I know he'd rather play the national anthem of China. Well, tough, tough, buddy. You're just going to have to deal with that and stand up for the red, white, and blue. Ben today will be talking about his escape from New York. Not his personally, but the sort of conservative movement to get out of New York because the place is falling apart. When it comes to exposing the left for the illogical propagandists that they are, Ben is probably the second best man for the job. No, I'm, I'm only sort of telling the truth. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's really, he's tops. If you want to hear from him, you're in for a real treat. Every Saturday, an audio episode of this new series, Debunked, is dropping. Daily Wire members can get the full 10-episode first season over at dailywire.com. If you're not already a member, get 20% off today with code DEBUNKED while the discount lasts. Tomorrow, the audio episode on pro-abortion propaganda drops. Ben will destroy the left's moral and scientific unreasoning for abortion and discuss why life begins at conception. So check it out tomorrow on his podcast feed, over at Apple, Spotify, or whatever your platform of choice may be. We'll be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back to the mailbag. First question from Marie. Hey, Michael, I've recently had conversations with people about waiting until marriage to have sex. Other than the Bible tells me so, why do you, if you do, think that it's better to wait? A lot of people like to argue like, that like cars, you should try it before you buy it, which seems like a valid point at face value. But I, I know there's more to it. Would love to hear your thoughts. Sincerely, minivan in the peeps, Lambo on the streets. Whoa, baby. Oh my gosh, because it's a family show. 
cut that out. Um, oh, minivan to my peeps. That's, that's still, it's still very lurid. Uh, yes, the analogy is true if you consider yourself an object to be ridden. <laughs> or if you consider yourself a human being, then it's, I guess it doesn't hold as true. It's the same thing as the, you know, well, you know, you got, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Like, I guess that, that argument does make a pretty good point. And uh, also, one does not want to compare oneself to a cow. Because <laughs> you're a human being, you have dignity. Uh, very few people I've noticed in our pop culture uh, wait until marriage. You know, I was an atheist for 10 years and sure behaved like one. <laughs> so I'm speaking, I guess, a little bit from experience here. Uh, the people I know who waited until marriage to have sex seem happier with their decision than the people who did not. Just speaking anecdotally, just from people I know, but there's a line in, in Glengarry Glen Ross, a terrific play by, uh, uh, gosh, what's his name? It's one of the great playwrights, David Mamet. In Glengarry Glen Ross, the Al Pacino character, Ricky Roma says, you regret the things you don't do. Hua. <laughs> he doesn't have the hua. You regret the things you don't do. And a lot of people believe this. A liberal friend of mine said this the other day. In my experience, that's not true. In my experience, you regret the things you do do that you shouldn't have done. I don't regret many things that I didn't do. I've done a lot of things, I guess. But I, I certainly have many regrets about things that I did do. I, sh- I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have acted in this way. I shouldn't have ignored this thing. I shouldn't have this or that and the other thing. We, we do have regrets about these things that we do. I think that your inclination here is that it's a good thing to wait until marriage. And that's something very special. And it's, it's something that you won't be able to get back. You can, you know, you move on. Plenty of people get married if they you know, had sex before marriage, probably the vast majority of people. Uh, but you can never get that back. So I would hold on to that thing. That's, that's quite valuable. And I think that men will appreciate that. And I think that you will appreciate that. And I think that if, if your guy also hasn't had sex before marriage, if, you, if somehow that works out, then uh, you'll have something really special because you'll share that together. From Victor, hey, Mr. Knowles, I was listening to one of your all accesses the other day, and I heard that you don't believe in the apparitions of Medjugorje. This is a, a Marian apparition uh, that some Catholics believe in. They, they believe that Mary appeared at this place, Medjugorje. Um, and then some people are skeptical of that. I know many people who have gone and had special experiences. My old priest and my father, for example, my family's always believed in it. I never really questioned it. You're someone that I really respect because of your intelligence. And so I was wondering why you didn't believe in it. Also, what are your thoughts on Garanda Badal? I don't actually know how to pronounce this, but it's a a Spanish apparition site or alleged apparition site. Sincerely, Victor. Uh, Without going too in the weeds here, I believe that there have been miraculous apparitions, right? I, notably, there was the, the apparitions at Fatima, which I believe in, uh, about 100 years or so ago. Uh, I believe that these, I believe in the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which happened to Juan Diego here in the Americas. And I see the, the tilma of this miraculous image, and I, I, I believe that. I believe in lots of these things, but I'm not superstitious. <laughs> you know, I don't just believe in anything without any bit of evidence. Um, I think sometimes people are confused. They think that religious people are the most superstitious people on earth. I think actually we're the least superstitious because we do apply rigor to these things, you know, reason and faith uh, working together. So when it comes to Medjugorje, I just noticed that unlike at Fatima, the alleged seers at Medjugorje did not dedicate themselves to the church, did not become nuns or brothers or priests. 
uh, they enriched themselves and they bought really fancy homes and they uh, appear to have made very narrow partisan, uh, perhaps self-serving political claims as though they, this were, were mentioned by the, the uh, Our Lady, by the, the Blessed Virgin, who, who's referred to as Gospa in the Medjugorje apparition. Uh, in some cases, th- things that they're saying that the Gospa told them seem to contradict or at least not be present in any sort of Christian tradition ever. Uh, so it just seems a little difficult to believe to me. And, and the, the length of time that this has gone on, the financial considerations here, the collaboration with the, at that time, ruling Communist Party in the area, I just, I just don't buy it. I'm not saying it's not possible. I do not buy it. As for uh, Garanda Badal, I, I, I don't know, but it seems m- more worthy of belief to me. And the position of the church is, uh, is open on this, right? I mean, the church has not said this, this is worthy of belief. They've, the Pope Francis recently opened some questions about Medjugorje, but we'll have to find out. As for me, I'm pretty skeptical. From Jillian. Hey, so I saw your show last week and was thinking about the mailbag question with the man whose wife got an abortion due to rape. I'm right now in a situation like that. Oh, it's terribly sorry to hear that. I was at a party about two months ago, didn't make the best decisions, and had some things happen non-consensually to me. Oh, gosh, awful. Uh, It's making me a little less sure in my decision to get an abortion. I have one scheduled for next week. I wouldn't normally get an abortion because I wouldn't consensually make the decision to have sex before marriage. I feel like if I have this kid, I'm giving up my chances of finding a good man given that I had my virginity stolen and had a kid consequently. I feel hopeless. Thank you for any advice that you would give. I'm terribly sorry that you find yourself in this situation where you had this terrible experience. Do not get the abortion. Listen to me. Listen very closely. Do not get the abortion. You will regret it for the rest of your life. You will regret it every single day. Do not do it. It seems like the easy way out because you think if you get the abortion, then it's as if you, you never had this horrible experience. You never had a child, but it doesn't erase that. It just adds another evil to these, to this evil that, that was perpetrated on you. And, and you, you won't be able to convince yourself otherwise. You won't be able to rationalize it. What you can do if you don't feel able to raise the child is give the baby up for adoption. There are 32 couples in the United States. Number changes a little bit. It's something like 32 couples in the United States for every baby that is put up for adoption. Do not, do not do this. You will, both for the, I mean, do not do this because the the act itself would be intrinsically evil and, and, you know, would be terrible for the baby, but for you, just for you, do not, you will, I know multiple people who have had multiple abortions for that matter, and it really wrecks them. Do not do this. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. I can pray for you. Uh, but do not let the, the sort of fear and anxiety and shame or whatever lead you to commit something that will only increase your fear and your anxiety and your shame. You're afraid that some man isn't going to like you now because you had this horrible thing happen to you and, and you know, then you had a baby and either raised it or gave it up for adoption. Uh, first, I don't think a man is going to think that way, and not, not a good man anyway, but if you're worried about the opinion of the man, well, what about the opinion of the man if you go ahead and have the abortion? Do not do it. Do not do, not do it. Uh, feel free to reach out again. Happy to uh, 
answer more questions. From Camille, dear Michael, I'm a single woman in my mid-20s and I want to ask your opinion on dating apps. Personally, I hate the apps. I'm a Christian and do genuinely believe God has a plan uh, and, so, uh, and someone for me. But uh, I, do I have to be on the apps to find them or will God make it happen? Or is being on dating apps a God helps those who help themselves situation? Sincerely, dating mishap. <laughs> Man, that's these signatures are getting, getting much better. Uh, I never was on the apps. Just missed it. Sweet little Elise and I got back together before the apps came out or before they were really popular. And so I never had to deal with that. Some people use the apps just to hook up. I guess a lot of people do that. Some people use the apps to find their spouses. I've been to multiple weddings of people who met on the dating apps. If you don't like the dating apps, I don't think you need to be on them, but you do need to meet men elsewhere. You do need to meet guys at the church or at the bar or at work or at some social circle or friend of a friend or set up on a blind date. So you, you got to do that. I suppose now the culture is such that people do generally meet on the apps. But yeah, I, I, I don't think I would have enjoyed being on the apps. There's something very, you're really putting yourself out there. I mean, it's just like everybody is putting out a, a classified ad. And so there's something kind of clinical about that. There's something that I don't, I don't particularly care for. But, but you know, people can meet and have, have great uh, relationships and marriages out of it. So I, I don't think the apps are evil in themselves, but there are other options. The, the thing is, you can't use your aversion for the apps as an excuse not to date at all. You just need to, if you're not going to use the apps, you need to make sure that you say, hey, friend, set me up on a date with somebody. Hey, you know, local group that I'm a member of, let's hang out more often. Let's go to the, this dinner. Let's go to this bar. Let's go to this. Let's go to that. The other thing. From Michael. Oh, Princeps Gloriosissime Knowles. In today's episode, you spoke of January 6th in reference to the relatively small-scale riot that took place earlier this year. Might I suggest that we conservatives stop using the term January 6th to reference that event? I believe that in using that language to talk about that day, we are feeding the leftist attempt to cement in our minds their comparison to September 11th. By having us use that date as a reference point, they are controlling words and controlling minds. Instead, shouldn't we refer to it as the acts of destruction at the Capitol in January or something else appropriately creative? What are your thoughts? Thanks for all that you do. Fellow Sicilian American Catholic New Yorker named Michael. Wow. What a guy. You're totally right. I've sometimes used it. I hope I haven't used it too often in an earnest way. I sometimes will say in January 6th, you know, on the insurrection. But I think you're right. We should not refer to January 6th. It's, there's no comparison between Jan January 6th. There's no comparison between the Capitol riot and September 11th. There's no comparison between the Capitol riot and Pearl Harbor. There's no comparison between the Capitol riot and the BLM riots of 2020. The BLM riots were much, much, much worse. And the focus on the Capitol riot is a distraction in a way to, for the left to get rid of their, their culpability. I also love your reference which is to my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. I think you're uh, totally right. It's a very good part. If I could expand the book in a new edition, I would include that. From Daniel. Hi, Michael. As a strong proponent of a justice-centered conception of self-government, such as that which is found in the Federalist 51, when Madison said, justice is the end of government, you've often stated that we shouldn't be afraid of using the power of government to regulate or even ban things that undermine the proper end of government. As a result, You've come under fire by many libertarian-leading neocons for seeming to be a proponent of, in their view, Catholic theocracy. If your preferred policies were to reach their logical end states, 
Uh, what would you say to these people? Would you really prefer their constitution were chiseled in two stone tablets on Mount Sinai as opposed to being written in the Pennsylvania State House? Thanks and love the show, Daniel. No, it's not that I, I wish that our constitution were totally different than it is and were a theocracy. And a, I just wish people would read the constitution, read the Federalist and read American history because my view, which is now being derided by the libertarians and the neocons as theocratic and authoritarian, my view is frankly, more liberal than the view of the founding fathers. During the founding, at the time of ratification, the definition of a felony was that you would hang. You would hang for it, right? I'm not saying that we need to go that extreme in criminal justice. At the time of the founding, there were state-established churches. Different states actually had their own church establishments. I'm not going that far and saying we need to have these specific church establishments, because frankly, I don't like the ones they had. But what I am pointing out, and this is one of the things I talk about in my upcoming book, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, is that this sort of thing exists. Uh, The church always has some relationship to the state. Religion always has some relationship to government. And our politics is such that, uh, you know, either we're going to use the power or our opponents are going to use the power. And I I would just assume we use the power when the people give it to us. I want to try a little experiment before we go. Speechless. Speechless. <laughs> I just wanted to see. That's just wanted to break it before the weekend. See you guys, everybody. Have a good weekend. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs>